everybody, and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast. For this week, I am taking a break from tradition. That break from tradition being recording the intro after I've recorded the rest of the podcast, because I want to start this podcast off with some news. Uh, and that is essentially the installment or resuscitation, depending on how long you've been listening to the Going Up Cast, of the Going Up Cast store. And the elimination of Patreon. Patreon is, is no longer a thing, and I have my reasons, but I, I'll, I'll give you some of them. Number one, pretty much the biggest one, uh, is, is purely driven from a, a creative standpoint. The creation of exclusive content for Patreon versus making a thing kind of for everybody um, led to a division essentially where it'd be like, I want to make X, you know? And then I had, I would then immediately ask myself is X for everybody or is X for like a handful of people? And, uh, it felt restrictive. It felt, um, I, I just didn't like the fact that certain things were only available to certain individuals. I just thought that was a, a bad way of doing it. So, Patreon is gone. I, I, you know, on one hand, I get the idea of exclusive content, and for some people that works. You know, you'll watch like a thing on YouTube, and then it's like, if you want to see like the uncut version, go to Patreon. Yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I mean, you know, that works for them, and that's great. But it, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. So what we've done is taking down the Patreon site. Um, if you were a Patreon supporter in the past, I want to thank you most profusely for your support on Patreon. Um, you should not be charged on Patreon anymore. Um, and that is now just debunked. It, it may come back at some point in the in, later on, but they probably won't have anything exclusive on it. It would just merely be a, a way to help support the channel. But I have other ways in order to accomplish that. And then essentially what the store is and is going to develop over time is... It currently houses the movie commentary tracks that were exclusive to Patreon. Other things that I created for Patreon are probably going to remain in the past. Things like my uh, Pokemon Nuzlocke run, I don't think was very successfully filmed, um, nor executed because I failed. However, there is a new Pokemon game coming up, you know, in the not too distant future. Um, that is going to be on the Switch, which will make it a lot easier to capture. Um, that I might Nuzlocke in the, at some point, you know, so the, the stuff of that nature, like video content may be a thing, but that will just be available for free on the site. What the store is for is obviously I would hope to hopefully have like merch, like t-shirts or a mug, um, those sorts of ideas I've always kicked around, uh, and maybe I'll get there someday, but for right now it's purely digital content. And right now it is just the movie commentary tracks, other pieces of Things may end up on the site on, and on the store as I come up with them. Uh, but right now, I have uploaded uh, the first six Harry Potter movie commentary tracks. I haven't recorded the commentary tracks for episodes seven, uh, part one and two yet. Um, and I did a bunch of, uh, air quotes, scary movies for Halloween. I did Hocus Pocus Halloween Town um, and then Batman the Long Halloween's part one and two. Are, are all up there for, for Halloween. I know that is now past, but that is, that's what's up. Um, I have also recorded, there are other movie comic tracks I have recorded, but I'm holding on to them. 
uh, and we'll release them when the season is more appropriate. Like I've done a couple of Christmas movies that I will be throwing out there when it's Christmas time. So just keep your eyes on that. But yes, please feel free to go to goingupcast.com forward slash store and have fun. Um, that's pretty much all that's on there right now. It will grow and expand as time goes on. Uh, I am excited because while Patreon was like a paid service and it had like a wall, basically, I feel like with the store at the very least, there's visibility on it. You, you know, you obviously, if you don't buy the thing then you can't listen to the thing, but now you know what the thing is. And with Patreon, you couldn't see what was being made if unless you were a patreon supporter which i thought was nonsense so you wouldn't even know really what was on there but now you have complete visibility on what i'm making so that is everybody's everybody's equal in that everybody's on the same playing field when it comes to what's being made and obviously with the creation of the store i just want to clarify that the audiobooks and the podcast will forever remain free that's never going to be something I'm going to charge people for. Kind of defeats the whole purpose. Um, just want to clarify that. Right now, the movie commentary tracks, I felt like, were a great thing to kind of prototype um, onto the store. Because they're they're a one-off. Um, it's purely supplemental. You know, it's really just, if you're a fan of me ranting during movies, uh, if you want to know my opinions about certain movies, many of the movie commentary tracks I've done like Hocus Pocus, Halloween Town, the Batman movies. Uh, I did one for Casablanca a while ago, are like first impression uh, takes. So I had never seen those movies before. And then I watched them live for the first time whilst recording my reaction to it. Um, other movies, obviously, like Harry Potter, I've seen dozens of times. So those are a bit more insightful of me going, I love this scene for X, Y, and Z, or hey, the history behind this shot, blah, 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 um, from things I've just picked up. Uh, in in my viewings and readings, so that's that's the idea of those. Obviously, it's modeled after the uh, uh, some of my idols when it comes to the content I make, which is riff tracks. One of the major and mystery science theater. You know, it's one of the major points of influence for pretty much everything I do. I you can't do what I do with audiobook with like audiobooks and stuff like that without comparing it to mystery science theater because yeah, that's pretty much it. So. It's it all just stems back to back to that, um, and I think that's I think that's awesome. So I'm very excited about the store. I'm really interested to see what kind of stuff can be put onto the store. Um, and I will I'm gonna throw this out there. If you have any movies you would like me to watch and record the commentary tracks for, or books to read, as always, please feel free to uh, email me at goingupcast at gmail.com or use the contact page at goingupcast.com. Both will get to me. Um, although I recently found out that you may need to check your spam folders for responses from me um, if you do use that email address. So just keep that in mind. Um, it it may, get, may get buried in trash because apparently Google doesn't like me. I don't I don't know why. I've, I've been so kind and nice to them. Anyway. No, it's going to be cool. It's going to be really, really cool. And I'm stoked because as much as I love reading books, I love watching movies pretty much equal and having an outlet for me to, to do that as well. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, oh yeah. Um, and just as a quick housekeeping note, uh, there's, I've been updating a lot of stuff on, um, on the going up cast. 
pretty much every week I will mega chapter a, a a book that I've read. And if you're not familiar with what that is, it is um a it like Squarespace, which is the the foundation of the site, does not have, as far as I can find, an autoplay function uh, that allows you to hit play on an audiobook and have it just continuously play chapters um, in like a playlist order. You can make an album, but those files can only be of a certain size, um, and it's kind of restrictive, so I've, I've avoided that route. Or it only has like a, a certain number of tracks you can actually have on it. Um, in any case, my, my compromise there is the creation of a mega chapter, which is what I've been calling them. Uh, and there are currently, quote, mega chapters for all of the Harry Potter uh, books. So if you scroll to the bottom of that page, you'll see like a line separator and then mega chapters. And it'll be like chapters one through five in a single file. And so you hit play. And then for the next roughly two hours, you'll listen to chapters from that book. Similar to how you would listen to an audiobook if you had like CDs. You know, you put on a CD, it's like three or five chapters per CD, and then you'd have to put in the next CD. That's the thing with the mega chapters. Still takes a couple of clicks in order for you to experience the entire book, but now it takes less clicks in order for you to experience the entire audiobook. And I'm doing that basically once a week for an audiobook until I've done them with all of the audiobooks. Um, and that's just the thing I've been doing. Uh, we've also been going back and uh, expanding some of the uh, blurbs about the audiobooks themselves. Um, having like a little credit section, those sorts of things. There is now the goingupcast.com forward slash music tab, uh, which currently only houses the uh, songs from the Hobbit album, which you can listen to now. And there is a track at the very bottom of that album of the entire Hobbit album in one thing. If you just want to listen to the whole thing, um, that was, that was a ton of fun. I'm going to have the music thing house uh, essentially any music I make from here on out. Um, I know I can think of at least three more albums that will go up on that goddamn thing. And those are the Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, and Return of the King albums. Because I will record all of that music ahead of time, which I'm sure folks are already aware of if you're listening to the Fellowship of the Ring. So yeah, the, the website is being updated and new stuff is coming out all the time. So feel free to check it out and explore. Um, I'm also thinking about changing the, the images to be a bit more seasonal. Uh, like right now, it's just that picture of the beach, which I do love. Um, and I took that picture, but it, we're getting close to winter time. You know, holidays are right around the corner. So I'm thinking about changing the images to be something a bit more uh, properly themed, depending on the time of year it is. So I'm, I'm mostly going through for like winter, spring, summer, fall images. Um, and since winter is right around the corner, I'm probably going to slap a, a, a fun winter picture as the uh, as the new image for a while and just see how that goes. So yeah, any feedback you guys have on the website will be very much appreciated. Uh, feel free to email me or tweet me or Facebook me or yell at me on the street, whatever your preference. And uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool. My voice is shot for some reason. I'm not entirely sure why. I guess I haven't been using it a lot today, um, which is unusual for me. But you know, it's been it's been a lazy Sunday. Let's put it that way. Uh, anyway, that's enough blothering for me. Let's talk about some other stuff. So upon reading The Hobbit, um, I was watching some, some ancient, um, videos of my own, uh, just kind of cuz, because I'm a fucking, uh, cocky little bastard and love what I make. And I had a, a conversation with somebody in a video from, like, 20... 12 I want to say 
um, in which the statement Hobbit video blogs was stated. And I went, oh yeah, they did that, didn't they? And I went back and I rewatched them. The, the pre-production uh, and production vlogs that they had produced to hype up the Hobbit movies. Um, it was interesting because at the start of them making those vlogs, it was originally supposed to be two movies that then later got broken out into three films, which I thought was interesting. Anyway, um, it was just, it was fun to go back down that memory lane, uh, on the heels of finishing the book itself. Um, and I mean, pretty soon I'll, I'll read or, or not read. I will, I'll do commentary tracks for the Hobbits as well. Um, that you'll be able to buy on uh, goingcast.com forward slash store. <laughs> Cross promotion. Anyway, um, I know I, I love stuff like that. For me, the, the highlights for that whole uh, video blog series, um, and you can find all of this stuff on YouTube for free. So just Google like Hobbit video blog and you'll find it. Um, people have like stapled together in like compilations. It's basically a great little documentary about how they made these films um, in different areas. You know, there's a little bit about costume. There's a little bit about design. Uh, you hear from most of the cast on like their favorite memories and stuff like that. Uh, you learn a bit about the different units filmed uh, or used to film these movies. Uh, the 3D tech and the 48 frames a second, which I had completely forgotten about. Um, and a quick side note, if you want to experience a, a different frame rate for a movie, uh, a different quality for a movie, and most importantly, 3D, Virtual reality headsets are a great fucking way to do that. Watching a 3D movie in VR gives you that experience. So I just wanted to throw that out there. If you haven't done that yet, or you were looking for, because like, you don't need a 3D TV, okay? All you need is a VR headset. I believe most of them work. I know the PlayStation VR one does. So that's my advice for, for y'all. If you want to say rewatch The Hobbits in 3D at the 48 frames a second, get that VR headset and you can do it. No problem. Anyway, um, I had completely forgotten about all that stuff because uh, like most people, I don't have the 3d versions of the film and my version of the movie is at the standard 24 frames a second. So that is a, that is my experience with it. And it was, it was fun to see like how they were filming it and all that stuff. Um, and the creative like workarounds on how to make the 3d, uh, work and how they could alter the 3d depth of field, like in real time as they were filming, it's all super creative, but the highlights for me were the location, uh, shots. Every time they went out, they went out for like seven and a half weeks, the sheer logistics of organizing, like all of the trucks, there was like a fleet of like over a hundred vehicles. Uh, it was like a team of 500 people would go from location to location to film all these things. It was a Herculean effort and it's, amazing to see this well-oiled machine just fucking flow and just to think about like the coordination the scheduling and who's responsible for what when and everybody and trusting everybody to do their fucking jobs uh is is awesome so it's really insightful in that way i feel like a lot of making ofs because uh thanks to like marvel assembled uh there has been a, a rather strong influx of making of documentaries or making of specials about various pieces of content because of Disney Plus. And those, those making us fucking vary. Like, uh, I just, I'll talk about it real quick here. I just watched the making of, of Marvel's What If. Uh, and I talked a little bit about the, the genesis of the show and a little bit about the ideas behind some of the episodes. And we got to hear a little bit from Jeffrey Wright, but that's about it. If you want to know how like the animators feel about it, 
or or anything more from like storyboard artists or the direction of any of that stuff you're out of luck you don't get any side of the technical stuff it's more of a creative like this was our thought process sort of mentality for that uh making of which isn't bad it's just not what i like to see in some of those making ups the end of the unknown frozen 2 documentary series definitely delved more into the technical side of making the movie and that's more interesting to me than it is like here's the idea we came up with for why thor's a douchebag you know um that doesn't interest me as much because i feel like i'm more this you just came up with it like that's the story you know how'd you come up with it we just did we talked about it and we're like that's a good idea and then we rolled with it that's that that does not make for a good documentary how you physically made the thing does how you wrote it and how you you drew it and how you directed it and the different shots and the storyboard that's what makes documentaries interesting not the creative process at least that's my perspective i like to hear about the creative process but generally in documentaries the source material is known like they're not wasting a lot of time in these hobbit vlogs telling you where the story of the hobbit came from you know where the story it comes from a book that's where it comes from they don't waste time on that they just tell you how they get the shots and all that stuff and that's way more interesting especially when they do the travel stuff i am a sucker for travel content and i feel like the hobbit ones are, are excellent i mean the lord of the rings making ofs are like required viewing to enjoy those movies in my opinion and not a not a time will go by where I don't sit down and watch the extendeds, where I don't immediately watch the making ofs like right afterwards. So I love those. I love them to pieces. And it's it's all just part of the experience. That's why Lord of the Ring marathons are like 24 hours easy. Cause it's like not only are you watching the movies, you're watching the making ofs. And that takes time. So yeah, that's that's my little my little rant. I love stuff like that. Anytime people like go behind the curtain and, and show you their process, the team members, folks who normally wouldn't get like a fucking shot in hell of getting their voices heard. Like the best part of the end of Game of Thrones was the documentary episode making the last season of Game of Thrones. Easily that was the best part. That was awesome, I love that special. When you gotta meet like Andy or whatever his was, the, the, like the fucking uh, extra who's been in like every season again. I love that guy. That special was great. The season sucked, but that special was awesome. So that do more stuff like that is what I want. So it is it is eternally interesting to me to see stuff like that. And I can't wait to see the making of, of The Eternals, you know? I haven't seen the making of, of Black Widow yet, um, but I hope it is more in terms of that, that technical side, you know, how they do some of the stunts and some of the location shots and things like that. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, but like Loki... Spent way too much time on Tom Hiddleston. I like Tom Hiddleston a lot, but that was not a documentary. That was like, here's an hour of Tom Hiddleston being like, you know, when I first starred as Loki 10 years ago, huh, I never thought I'd be here. And I just want to thank all of you wonderful, lovely people for being so supportive in this space and uh, the unified artistic vision that we share here today will go down in the echelons of Marvel history as one of the greatest fucking pieces of fi- I get it, you're cool. Let's take it down a notch. You don't even let Owen Wilson speak. Anyway, that's my that's my old rant. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. A couple of days ago, or a, a week ago, there was a very, 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 very small PlayStation State of Play presentation. Um, it was about 20 minutes long, and it was fine. 
Every time there's like, uh, uh, here's X studio announcing some things, everybody gets excited because you never really know what's going to be on the docket. Is it going to be Final Fantasy 16? Is it going to be Bloodborne 2? Is it going to be Elden Ring stuff? Like, where are we going? What's happening? Um, and one thing I like to remind myself, uh, this may not be true, but I think it's more likely than not. Every game is somebody's favorite game. I think there's enough games out there and there's enough people playing games out there that every time there's something's announced, somebody out there gets excited for it, you know? Whether it's, what was it, like Death Game or Death Sport or Death Ball, whatever the fuck, Death Verse, I can't remember what it was. Um, but there's like a, a, a Battle Royale looking death game thing. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm not interested. It doesn't look particularly good. But somebody out there is. And that's what I like to remind myself in these specials being like, it's not for me. It's not my game. Like Star Ocean. Not for me. Not my game. Yeah, but somebody out there got really fucking hyped when they announced Star Ocean. Um, or Little Devil Inside. Looks cute. I love the Lovecraftian stuff. Um, and that game artistically and gameplay wise looks fascinating. So I'm the last game they talked about in the state of play is the only one I was interested in out of all of those games that was that was announced. That one intrigues me. Um, I don't think it's gonna be my favorite game, but that's the headspace I like to maintain when I watch stuff like that because if it isn't for you, it's for somebody, and that's what helps you know curb me from being from right right now right. This is my outlet to talk about stuff like this and I'm not shitting on any of the games because just because it isn't for me doesn't mean it's bad you know it just means it's for somebody else and I, I want to try and spread that idealism uh, around the internet I think we'd be a lot better off if that was the case don't get me wrong if I see something and I say it sucks it's because it sucks but then again you know like let's take my review for Legends of uh, the Hidden Temple right I think the new version of that show is bad. I don't I don't like it. It's not for me. But somebody out there there could like it. And then that's wonderful that they have this fun new show to watch, you know? I I don't know how many people that is because it's not a good show, but the the logic and the idealism maintains. So that's my that's my my new current strategy, you know? So, I'm going to I'm going to try to be a bit more uh aware that folks out there have differing opinions from myself. I know this is revolutionary. Folks out there have differing opinions and just because you don't like something or something isn't your bag doesn't mean it isn't in somebody else's bag and they're very excited for it. Also helps to like be excited with them. Um, this is the same logic of it's always awesome to see somebody be really good at a thing. Even if you don't care what that thing is. You know? It's like the excitement of the Olympics. I personally you know, for 99% of my life, don't particularly care about the sport of curling. If I watch it during the Olympics and I see these world-class curling teams go at it, it's exciting because they're super invested in it, which makes you invested in it because they're really good at this thing and it's fun to watch them be good at that thing. Or when I saw like the 2013 uh, League of Legends World Championship at PAX, I personally do not play League of Legends. Um, the only game of that nature that I've ever spent any time in was uh, Heroes of the Storm, which was fine, but I don't play it anymore. Um, but at the time, didn't play the game. Uh, I didn't particularly care for it, but that room's energy was explosive, and everybody in that arena was excited, and you can't help but get swept up in the excitement. Like, I don't care who you are, 
But if you're there in person and there's a team wipe and the whole place just explodes in cheers and jeers and shouting, you, you, you get into it. It was it was a completely different vibe. You know, it was exciting and new and different. So just because it wasn't for me, it was for everybody else in that goddamn arena. The people on stage and the people watching, everybody loved it. So I'm going to try to try to be that person from now on. We'll see how long it lasts, but it's a good place to be. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Brand spanking new Switch game has just come out. Mario Party Superstars. And I played it for... Oh, gosh. Two, three, maybe even four hours, depending on your definition of how time passes. Um, on Halloween Eve, uh, in case you were looking for context, um, the, I had, I I purchased a physical copy for, to give to my brother for Christmas, and he ended up buying the game himself, uh, like that day, digitally, so we could play it that night, and I brought the copy to his house early to, like, surprise him, and then he ruined it because he bought it, because he's meh. Anyway, um, now he's going to give me the copy that I bought for him to me for Christmas um because it's funny and uh we we played it um I played as Rosalina and we did two maps we did the spooky Halloween one and then um the cake one and uh, that, that and then we did a uh, mount mini games um I mean graphically it looks identical to uh, Super Mario Party that came out earlier. Um, it's it's funny because I feel like if I I guess I'm spoiled. Um, I can't recall on like previous Mario Party games, right? Like Mario Party Five or Ten on any of those systems. If uh, the number of maps and the number of mini games is like small, you know, because it's it's five maps and a hundred mini games, which sounds pretty good, but I'm also like. I just want more, especially, and it's something like this where it's like so blatantly a uh, like a greatest hits of previous G dang Mario Party games. Uh, I believe it's Mario Parties one, two, and three are the ones that were like piecemeal picked to create this game. Um, part of me wonders why you don't just do all of it. You know, here's twelve boards or whatever. Here's five hundred mini games or whatever. Um, I know some of them got pulled because they were, like, broken or they involved, like, spinning the, the sticks on the controller really fast, um, which apparently causes, like, damage to the controller. Uh, only one of those games has endured and it's, like, tug-of-war. And, yeah, you rotate the joystick really fast and it warns you not to use the palm of your hand because it'll irritate the skin there. But, like, that's the fucking tactic. You use the palm of your hand, and you just rotate your hand really fast. That's how you do that shit. Um, but, like, the only thing I can come up with for why you wouldn't release all of the content is because you want to do, like, DLC for it later. Which is kind of... I, I, I get it from a money-making perspective... But they didn't do that for Super Mario Party. Super Mario Party didn't get any updates or any expansions or any DLC in its life cycle whatsoever. And that game felt really small. It only had four boards. This one has one more. But I just see this as Super Mario Party like part two. 
because the Jesus Christ, sorry, um, the the goddamn art is the same and uh, the the games are familiar and stuff like that. So I I like if they if they provide free updates in terms of boards and stuff because like. Animal Crossing's got a free update coming up here pretty soon that adds a whole bunch of shit, and they've been updating stuff forever for Animal Crossing. I know they're about to wrap it up um, in terms of, like, free updates, but they did that. They did that shit, and it makes sense, and I would love for them to be like, hey, you like Super Mario Party Superstars? Well, here's, you know, a new board. That would be amazing. Just, like, one new board, here's ten new games. That's plenty. People will love it, but I don't know. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. It very much has that that very particular style of bullshittery that we've come to appreciate with games like Mario Party and like to a lesser extent like Monopoly and stuff like that that like friendship ruining uh level of horse dongery um where you feel like you're winning like most of the game and then just something happens like one turn and it's like you've just given three stars away to your buddy why fuck you that's why it's just, it's complete chaos, but it's such a goddamn blast. Um, and it almost doesn't even matter how many stars you get because then the bonus stars are going to come rocketing in there at the end and just completely flip script. Like, no matter what you do, it's just, you're never going to, it's never going to work out in your favor. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. I just hope that this time around, Nintendo gives us a decent life cycle on the fucking game. And I, I would appreciate it. I mean, the Switch has been a thing for how long is how long has the Switch been a console? They came out with the OLED version, which is pretty standard practice for their consoles, right? Um, 2017. So it's been uh, it'll be going on five years um, here pretty soon, and that's right around the time we would start to hear mutterings of the next console. Um, which I know seems early, but I mean, that's kind of how it works, right? Fucking Sony and Microsoft are already on to their next generation machine. Nintendo's always been a bit different when it comes to that, but I wouldn't be surprised if like next E3, we started to hear some some decent rumors that Nintendo's spinning up whatever their next thing is. Um, that being said, the Switch is like, Probably my favorite Nintendo console. I know I'm going off on another rabbit hole, but I've had the GameCube and the Wii and countless handhelds. I mean, my favorite dedicated handheld is the Nintendo 3DS XL. Like, the screen's massive. I don't really use the 3D a whole lot, but it, the battery life on this thing lasts a really long time. I've been playing it a lot recently. Doing, I'm trying to beat Ultra Sun before uh, Shining Diamond and Pretty Pearl or whatever the fuck they called or come out in like the end of November. So I'm trying to trying to be Ultra Sun. Um, now that I'm struggling, it's just like I just started it. And um, Nintendo consoles have like this weird longevity to them that other consoles don't. Like I don't have my PlayStation Four anymore. I gave that to my brother. Um, so the only other console I have besides Nintendo ones are is my PlayStation Five. Um, so it's like with every other type of gaming, I stay top of the line. But with Nintendo, there's just something timeless about it. So I feel like the Switch can remain relevant for a while because the switch has its little niche and people still love it um i just want them to <laughs> it always feels like we're yelling at nintendo to do the things we want them to do 
Like with the N64 online thing. I don't personally have it, so I can't weigh in on whether it's good or not. What I can weigh in on is that there's only like eight fucking games on it. There were hundreds of N64 games. You might not be able to port them all because you just lost some, but it really just does feel like Nintendo likes leaving money on the table. And like, we're all sitting there being like, if Nintendo does X, Y, and Z, I'm going to give them money. And I just don't understand why Nintendo see, like they, you know, they know these things. Like if they, if they ported all of the original goddamn Pokemon games, like up to a certain point, right? Like here's yellow and red and blue and green and maybe even like soul and silver and crystal. They put it on the 3DS. You can buy those games on the 3DS store and play them there. So it's not even complicated to put it on the Switch. They just haven't. And I don't understand why, you know? A long time ago, I interviewed for, for Boeing um, to, to work there. Obviously, it didn't work out because I don't work at Boeing. Um, but when I was there, I saw that Boeing had uh, a lot, you know, like a parking lot, just full of built planes waiting to be delivered or waiting to be purchased. And it kind of blew my mind that Boeing had like stagnant inventory. You know, it's just like of all the companies to not have shit lying around, you think a goddamn 747 would have fucking gone to where it needed to go in order to be utilized. So they're just, it's just money sitting on the table. And Nintendo has this fucking incredible backlog of beloved excellent games across multiple platforms for decades and they're not leveraging it to make money like i i don't want to buy the same game over and over again i have on a couple of occasions i think i own two different copies of grand theft auto 5 and i own skyrim three times like it just happens um but with nintendo it's it's almost different because it's like those games the only thing preventing people from playing those games is that it's just, like, not available on the current console. And if Nintendo had this goddamn, like, service where it's like, here's the eternal backwards compatibility library. And it's like, you buy a game once again, and it's just forever ported onto the next console. Like, how amazing would that be? And it seems like they're kind of moving in that direction with this online service where you can play games from multiple different previous Nintendo consoles. Just not as robust a library as we may have wanted to see. So, I, I really hope... I doubt it's going to happen. But I hope someday Nintendo figures it out. And allows us to play those things again the way we want them to be played. In the meantime, though, Super Mario or Mario Party Superstars is a decent game. I had a lot of fun with it. If you get a group together, you're going to have a good time with it because... That's how these games work. I hope it's got a decent life cycle, and I hope Nintendo figures its shit out to where it just does what we want it to without being complicated or bad. It's it To me, it seems easy, but I don't know anything about the world of, of coding and games and crap, so I don't want to... I don't, I don't fucking know. Um, but, oh, Jesus. Sorry, my phone's making noise. So, yeah. Mario Party's fun. That's 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 what I wanted to say. Let's move on to the next thing in podcast. And finally, this week we are. I'm 
I'm two for two in keeping up with what the fuck is happening on Critical Role Season 3. I'm a little late to the party in terms of watching it. Um, I, I was busy Thursday night, so I couldn't do it. Uh, setting up the store. Anyway, goingupcast.com forward slash store. Um, I just finished it now on a Sunday. Um, and it's still late. I mean, it's 12.15 in the morning. I've got work in seven hours. Anyway, um, episode two of Critical Role season three. Let's, let's, what, what, one thing that I loved about this episode was like, I can sum it up really fucking quickly. And I'm about to do that. And it's, it's amusing where it's like, how long was that episode? Four and a half hours. What happened in that episode? Well, the party goes into Lord Esteros's house at the end of the previous episode in order to prove themselves worthy to work with the guy. Uh, a battle ensues and he goes, all right, I'm put you on a trial case. Let's see if you can check. I've got a warehouse with some stuff in it, but shit's missing. Right? So I want y'all to go over there and figure it out. And he's going to pay them, like, a buttload of money. They got 50 gold up front, 150 if they figure out what's going on, 350 if they stop it. So, each. Uh, they go to the warehouse, and they wander around, uh, and they discover that within the warehouse there is the evidence of a material that is missing called broomstone, which comes from the Age of Arcanum, which is the material used to have floating cities um, and the airships. It's, that's what keeps them afloat. Um, but So there's evidence of that stuff existing, but it's missing. So they do a stakeout. They split up into two teams, uh, Team Backdoor and Team Full Frontal. And uh, I'm not making this up. And uh, the suspicious character is then pursued by Bertram Bell and uh, Imogen. Um, so now we're split up into three parties and then Orem went inside the warehouse alone and invisible. So now we're split up into four parties and that chaos is where it ends. That's the entirety of the second episode in terms of plot. Um, and the reason I love how simple the plot is for episode two and how long it took to tell is because that's like the beauty of D and D. This was a very, um, role-play heavy interpersonal relationship conversation having sort of episode which are some of my favorites um and i feel like that's really where we not only get to know the characters but where the the actors can shine um quick side note before we continue last week i had some theories about the character composition of the party as well as some of the creative choices the actors may have made when getting ready for season three. And one of my theories was that the Exandria Unlimited characters were going to vanish with this multiple storyline thread. Um, and we were going to see another group come in. It was later revealed through tweets from Matthew Mercer that Orem and Fern are Liam and Ashley's characters for season three. Um, they're not a temporary thing. They are the... the air quotes canonical characters for the main group of season three um evidently they were play testing them as part of exandria unlimited to see if they wanted to have them be characters in season three and the answer was yes they were given the choice to make new characters and they were given the choice to re-roll stats for those characters um 
and they have d- decided to to go with that. Um, Robbie Damon was also allowed the opportunity to re-roll if he so chose, which he did. So the stats for um, Dorian in Season 3 are different from the stats in Xandria Limited for those of you who care about stuff like that. Um, one thing I'm eternally grateful for, I don't exactly know what happened in Xandria Unlimited because I didn't finish it, um, but I am thrilled that fucking that stupid ass monkey that Fern had is not around. I was not a fan of that monkey. I, I just the constant screeching and screaming. Just no, I'm just, I'm not here for that. Um, so I'm very glad that that goddamn monkey isn't around. I don't know what's up with Fern's hand though. And I don't know if that's an Exandria unlimited thing or if Fern's hand is just jet black right now. And we just don't really know why. Um, and maybe we'll find out. I'm not entirely sure, but I mean, Fern is from the Feywild, so, I mean, all bets are off. So, we know that. Um, The other thing that we've discovered, which does kind of coincide with what I was thinking, um, is that Bertram Bell is Travis just fucking trolling the hell out of all of us, um, which is adorable, and I love it. Uh, So, Bertram Bell is designed to be a temporary character, and then Travis's actual new character will show up later. So, we will see... Uh, a party composition change in the not too distant future but for right now we are with Bertram Bell who I adore uh, I think he is he is excellent so those are those are based off of my theories from last time um as it's sitting right now it seems very wonderfully D&D it's I feel like I've experienced a lot of uh situations recently where party composition in the beginning stages are are prevalent um what with uh adventure zones uh new season of uh ether sea of uh, this starting up from scratch of D parties i've had of like introducing new characters and getting them started there's a lot of different narrative devices you can get um you can have for a party to begin working together and I think the way this has come together is been so far awesome. Mighty Nine felt lesser in terms of like it took a while for the Mighty Nine to find their their feet under them. Um, and it's because they started at like level one and it's because they didn't have any playtime beforehand. And they were figuring out the characters, and it took a good number of episodes. Like, for me, the Mighty Nine don't really coalesce until they start getting on, like, the ball leader, you know? Once they're on, like, the ship, then it kind of starts to feel like the Mighty Nine. Or even when, maybe when Caduceus shows up, that's, like, when it starts to feel like the Mighty Nine. It's It takes a while for them to find their, uh, their footing. Um, and, I mean, that's kind of part of the narrative. So, it works in a way, but... It, it takes a while. These guys feel a lot more developed. They feel more like fully fleshed out characters. And I know for at least four of them, they've experienced playing these characters before. But you can tell that like Imogen and Laudna um, and even Ashton and Fresh Cut Grass have a really good sense of what they're about. And it shows. And I love it. Um, so I, this is something I mentioned last week as well. But it maintains in this episode so yeah i'm a big fan of the conversations the battle was great gotta love starting one with the battle uh we learned some more about what the characters can do ashton's barbarian is a complete fucking mystery to me um i can think of a couple of things that fall under what he can do but 
apparently has multiple kinds of rages. I'm sure somebody who's out there has already figured it out, but it feels kind of homebrewy, um, which would fall in line with what um, Talison has done. Um, I don't know too much about Orem from Alexandria Unlimited, but he definitely seems more like he's not as much of a as a. Uh, I hate to use the phrase because I mean Liam's been through a lot over the last couple of years, so I get it. Um, but he, he Orem does not seem as much of a sad sack as Caleb and Vax are. Um, so I appreciate that. There's definitely a lot more of like there's more comedic stuff coming out of Liam in through Orem, and I think it's it's awesome to see. Uh, I love uh, Laura's character of Imogen. I think that is just it's still delightful. I absolutely adore it. Ashley as Fern is this beautiful blend of like naive innocence and smart ass like bullshit. It's this great blend. Ashton's just a fucking shitty punk, and I'm here for it. That's good stuff. Uh, I think that's that's a lot of fun. Um, I hope Ashton like I don't want to really nit. This is a super nitpick, but I feel like with a lot of the characters so far, we've gotten different facets of personality, and Ashton seems very. I don't, I, it's not really a problem for me, but they do seem fairly one note in terms of just being like a, an asshole, uh, for lack of a better term. I don't think he's being malicious. He's just kind of got this, this air of, um, apathy and that's fine, but I would love to see a different side to Ashton. I think it'd be, it'd be nice. And I'm sure we will. Talison makes incredibly complex characters. Um, but it takes a while for them to be like revealed. And of course, fresh cut gas is still the, the mystery to end all mysteries. Um, it's pretty fucking accepted that Sam has something in his back. Like there's something that happened with fresh cut grass that we're all going to be like, Oh, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Sam's actual troll is that there's nothing. Um, and that fresh cut grass just happens to be a robot named fresh cut grass. And there's like no mystery there. Um, that would also be pretty goddamn impressive. Uh, cause that'd be, that'd be the ultimate troll where he's just like, nope, no, no dark backstory. Just a robot, just a happy go lucky robot. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. And what I'm also interested in is now, obviously this is something that, you know, uh, uh, Sam and Matt could have worked out ahead of time, but with clerics, the the source see all right so sorcerers are like innately magical druids have that that nature based origin for their powers wizards go to school clerics get their power from a place of internal belief I'm, i don't want to say divine because strictly speaking according to the dungeons master guide it doesn't have to be like a religious thing. Like, I mean, take season two, for example. Jester was a cleric to an archfey that was basically a cult, but Jester still worshipped the Traveler as, like, a, as, as a deity, essentially. And that's where her powers came from. Um, you could homebrew it, or even within the rules of Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, have a clerical basis in pretty much anything as long as it falls under that same kind of uh, umbrella of 
divine worship. Doesn't have to be a god. Um, I mean, I suppose it could even be like a demon or a fiend or pretty much anything of great power could be it, including an ideal, um, like the the idea of an an atheistic cleric. I think is phenomenal. But since atheism is still a belief, it just happens to be a belief in nothing that could still be a source of power, at least from my perspective. So that's one thing I'm really curious about Fresh Cut Grass is how does a robot, how does an automaton get that sort of belief? And this just occurred to me. I'm like, well, what if it's Ashton? What if it's his belief in... It could be a belief in humanity. I think that'd be beautiful. And that would absolutely fit the description. So I'm really curious about that. Um, I'm also curious what's going to happen to Bertram Bell. Like, what's his exit? Um, I love the connections to Vox Machina and Season 1. I mean, there's been a lot of them already. You know, Laudna's from Whitestone. Her rat is named after the Dorolos. Orum works for Keyleth. Fucking Bertram Bell fought alongside Vox Machina. Like, there's a lot of great callbacks. And this season, certainly... Mighty Nine seemed very intent on, like, distancing themselves from season one. Except for, like, Allura. You know, that was pretty much the only, like, major crossover. Um, Although there was that little bit with Keyleth's mom, which was adorable. But this one certainly seems to be calling back to season one a bit more. Which, I mean from a cross-promotion point of view, makes a little bit of sense because the show comes out in February, but from a creative point of view, it's nice to see um, these little callbacks that are just warming sensations for longtime fans like me who have been around since the very beginning. Um, Yeah. It was a a really good episode, um, and I look forward to seeing the next episode coming out uh, in a couple of days here. It's gonna be it's gonna be really good. Um, oh, and of course, I completely forgot um, to talk about this. This was the Halloween episode, which I am all I'm so grateful that they came back in time to do the Halloween episode. Uh, and they all dressed up as each other, which I thought was really cute. Um, Travis was Sam. Robbie Damon was Matthew Mercer. Marisha was Talison. I loved her round glasses. Sam was Marisha. Ashley was Travis, and hers was great. Laura was Robbie, and she looked good. Like, Laura lo- Laura looked... Laura's costume was good. Not to, not to be all crazy about it, but it was a good-looking costume. Um, Liam was Ashley, and Talison was Liam. Oh, and Matt was Laura. So they all basically just, like, rotated, you know, uh, but no, I thought those were all, those were really fun and I'm glad, I'm glad we were able to see the Halloween episode. Once again, that set putting in some work, no, no weather effects or anything of that nature, um, to really write home about some, you know, some more time shifts, uh, were, were witnessed and that was pretty much it on that front. Um, and I think the final note I'll have for, for this episode is the, I am, like, I love the fact that they're sitting next to each other, and I've missed it immensely. The the side banter um, is why I watch the show. I mean, you could listen to the podcast, but to get the full experience, you need to see it. 
you need to see the uh like the the inner like everybody just like whispering and talking to each other and, and like laughing and reacting to things and Laura fucking with Liam again it's just it's all delightful um and actually I think the best way to do it um I'm subscribed to the Twitch channel so I have access to like the VOD like next day um but having the ability to pause and rewind and see things again um really does help absorb what the fuck is going on because if you stop paying attention or you need to go to the bathroom um it's it's a lot harder to come back and keep track of what's going on and i do love watching it live but it's you know it takes takes a certain amount to just like maintain what the fuck is happening and there's there's something special about watching it under your own steam so i actually really enjoyed being able to like pause and rewind i thought that was great um and you know what else is great this episode of the going up cast and you're listening to it so thank you very much for your continued support please feel free to check out goingupcast.com forward slash store for access to my movie commentary tracks more will be coming soon i promise i just need to find a, a free afternoon or two and watch some stuff i mean i've got i've got i you know you think my my list of books to read is long my list of movies to watch is even longer so We've got Harry Potter to finish. I mean, I want to do the Lord of the Rings ones. And yes, of course, I'm going to do the extendeds because anything else is not worth it. Um, I've been meaning to get around to watching the uh, the oh, awful, god-awful Twilight movies, um, which I think will be an absolute blast to do for the movie commentary tracks. So, yeah, there's going to be some good stuff coming down the pipeline. But uh, just as a quick reminder, if there are any movies you want me to watch and do a commentary track for them. If there are any books you want me to read, uh, please feel free to email me at goingcast at gmail.com. And I hope you all had a fantastic and safe Halloween. I cannot believe it is already November. Uh, this year has gone by way too quickly, but we have uh, a couple of months to go, including my favorite time of year, which is December. It's right around the corner. Start to get those Crimbo presents, um, or Hanukkah presents, or whatever holiday you want to celebrate this Thank you all very much for listening, and I will see you all next time. Have a good one, everybody.